Good morning, Forest Park. Great, happy New Year's Eve to you and your family. Uh, as Pastor Scott said, my name is Preston. If you're new here or you haven't been here in a couple years and you're kind of coming back for the first time in a while, I'm the youth pastor here. I work with our 6th through 12th graders, and um, I love them. I love my volunteers who are in the room, some of you. And uh, just great to be here with you. Thank you for our New Year's Eve service, our one service, whether you're here in person or watching online. I mean, you could be anywhere. Some of you are somewhere else watching online, getting ready for a party tonight. And we're just grateful you've taken some time to tune in today. So uh, I have the honor of being able to bring our message today, and I don't take that lightly as uh, this is the last one of the year. Whether it's good, bad, or indifferent, this is the last one of 2023. So I hope to end it on a good note for you guys today as we dive into what maybe God has for us in 2024. And as we come in today, maybe some of you, this is your first step in trying to make a New Year's resolution to get in church more. And if that is you, man, thank you for taking the step to be here, to come a day before January 1st and start it one day early. Uh, We're grateful that you've chosen to be here with us today. But contrary to popular belief, my message today is not about New Year's resolutions or how to keep them because uh, I know people and I know me and we will fail 99% of the time throughout the year. So I'm not going to try to give you some discipline or habit to stick with your New Year's resolutions because I love you enough to say I don't know if you'll actually keep them by, by the end of January. So um, instead, what I want to do today is, is call us to think about how we want to start 2024 in a way that's actually going to make the biggest difference in our lives. And when I say our lives, I don't just mean spiritually speaking, but in general in our whole lives. And one of the things I think that I would love to see Forest Park become in 2024 is a place full of desperate people. And today that's what I'm going to talk about is what it means for us to be desperate for God and the things that he has for us. And when we think about desperation, a lot of times people come to church when they are desperate, whether it's a time uh, after they lose a loved one or they're going through a hardship. Many people come to God when they hit rock bottom and they become desperate. That's why this time of year is often one of the most uh, fluctuating people coming in times to church because they're desperate to see a change in their life at the new year. And so when it comes to desperation, the problem is a lot of us don't see desperation or desperate people as a positive. Think about people in your life that you know are desperate. Typically, they're desperate for wrong things. They're too desperate for a relationship, too desperate for a new job, too desperate for a loan to come out. And and they're just desperate. And our culture puts this negative connotation around the word desperate and what it means for us to become desperate people. But when we look at God's word and we look at what he has to say to us, one of the things that I love to see is that God actually says most of the time in scripture that the desperate people are blessed. And even as a pastor, I've been doing ministry now for eight years. I can say the people I have seen grow the most in their faith have been the most desperate people. The people who have been desperate to see God move are the people I have consistently seen in eight years consistently grow in their faith with God because they were desperate to see him do something. So it leads us to the question today, who is the most desperate person you know? And before you nudge the person next to you or think about the person you saw over Christmas break, I want to go ahead and just give you a a very practical down-to-earth answer. Pretty much for all of us in the room, regardless if you're desperate, your wife's desperate, or your children's desperate, the the reality is the most desperate people in the world, nine times out of ten, are children. Because children need, literally need, someone else to help them do for them what they cannot do for themselves. Literally, they cannot do some of the most basic functions without mommy or daddy or grandma or grandpa helping them do those things. And children are some of the most desperate people in the world. 
And Jesus has a soft place in his heart for children. When we look at what Jesus says in Matthew 18, he says this to his disciples. The disciples, his followers came to Jesus and they asked him a question. Who's the greatest? Who's the greatest in your kingdom, in your family, Jesus? Who is the greatest person? And Jesus' response was he called a little child over to sit among his followers. He said, at the time, the disciples came and asked who's the greatest. Is that in there twice? Why is that in there twice? Oh, well, the verse basically says, there should be a second part of that verse. Let's keep going. There it is. I assure you that if you don't turn your lives around and become like the little child, you will definitely not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Those who humble themselves like this little child will be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And so we see Jesus saying to his disciples, if you want to be great, become like a child. If you want to be great in my kingdom, humble yourself like this little child. And so when we talk about desperation today, we kind of have to have some kind of working definition because desperation and desperate looks different to different people. So for today's message, I just want to clarify, when I talk about desperation, I'm talking about our awareness of our absolute need for God. As human beings, as Christians in the room, we have to understand we need to become desperate. And desperation for us is understanding and becoming aware of our need for God to move and help us and provide for our lives. One of the hardest parts about being a pastor or a teacher, and maybe even for you as a parent, is one of the things you cannot teach your child or even adults is how to become aware. People choose to either be self-aware or not, and we all know at least one person in our life that just does not seem to connect the dots. They don't see how their actions affect other people. They don't seem to see or how to read a room. They're joking when times when they need to be taking something seriously. They are just not self-aware people. And becoming self-aware is not something you can teach. It's something you have to learn yourself. And so today what I want to do is just simply put before us, when it comes to being desperate for God in 2024, we need to model the desperation that we see in children and I want to show you five ways that children are desperate and how we need to mirror those in our lives when we approach God in 2024. All right, so number one, let's just jump right in because I know it's one service and you got extra sleep, so you're, you're paying attention. I know you're counting already. You're, you're taking notes. So number one, one of the things we learn from children right off the bat, and this message will be so easy to understand for you parents in the room, which is children need someone else to clean them. You know this. How many of you have infants in the room? You have babies that are back there in KidVenture that are less than a year old, and you know better than anyone. They need you to change their diaper. They need you to wipe them off. They need you to change their clothes. They need you to clean them because they cannot clean themselves. And even when they get older to become toddlers in two, three, and four, they still need you to clean them. They still uh, get dirty. They still make a mess. They still need you to change their clothes after the third time of them spilling juice on their clothes. They still need you to come and help them get cleaned up. And I think that when it comes to us as humans, we have the same tendency to stay dirty all the time, like children do. And, and by that, I don't mean that you have an inability to wash yourself or clean yourself, some of you. Some of you may be, I don't know. But, but no, not that we physically cannot clean ourselves. As adults in the room, 99.9% .9 of us here can clean ourselves, change ourselves, keep ourselves clean. 
What I mean is you and I have the same tendency to stay dirty in our life with God, that we have the tendency to stay filthy, that there's this idea that sin that destroys us, the habits that ensnare us, the patterns of our life and thinking that have just basically attached themselves to the way that we lived our life in 2023, they have a stickiness to it. They have a weight to it that seems at times like we're in, we're in a, uh, just a pit of sand that we can't seem to get out of because every time we make a little bit, it feels like that, that attitude, that mindset, that habit that keeps weighing us down just won't seem to come off of us once and for all. We constantly sometimes feel dirty based on the constant, consistent mistakes we make in our life with God. That's why the author of Hebrews says, let's strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that easily trips us up. The author of Hebrews is saying, hey, sin weighs us down. And sometimes it feels like we're walking around life with a 50-pound bag on our shoulders that we can't seem to get off. And we need someone to come in to clean us of this stickiness that destroys our lives. Whatever it may be for you, I can't say that. But one of the things we have to ask ourselves is, have we been made clean? And God wants to cleanse you daily of the habits, the sins, the mindsets, the patterns in your life that have destroyed your 2023. He wants to cleanse you of the mindset that you take into work Monday through Friday that destroys and sucks the joy out of your week. He wants to help cleanse you of the pattern you developed this year that has led to your marriage getting worse and worse. He wants to come in and daily cleanse his people from the things that are destroying their lives. What we have to understand is just like children need someone, a parent, to come and clean them up every day. You don't change your kid's diaper once a week. You change it every day, multiple times a day, some of us. And in the same way, God has to come in daily to cleanse us. One of the things I've learned in pastoring, I've learned a lot of things in eight years, but one of the things I've learned is that in general, not just the church, outside of the church, many people want the title Christian, whatever that means to you. Many people want to be called a Christian, but very few people want to live like Christ. Many of us want the title of a Christian being God's child, but many of us don't want to actually follow the example Jesus left for us. And God wants to cleanse you daily, every day. Not just a one-time thing when you said a prayer at summer camp. He wants to clean you every day from the things that are making you dirty, that are wrecking your soul, that are destroying your life. And we need to become desperate for God to cleanse us every day. We don't need to just come to summer camp and pray a prayer or come to one service and give our life to Christ. We need to every day approach the throne and say, God, make me clean. Cleanse me today of the things that are destroying my life and hurting my soul. So number one is children need someone to clean them. But the second thing we see from children is children also need someone to feed them. You, you know this again, parents, this is easy for you to grasp. You have to feed your child. You, you have to feed them multiple times a day. You are in charge of making sure they eat and eat something healthy. And one of the things I've learned with children, and I work with student ministry, so I see this in teenagers too, is is children and teenagers typically fall into one of two categories. And you know this, parents, they are either extremely picky and you have to get chicken tenders every time you go out to a restaurant because that's all they'll eat, 
or they are like a vacuum and will eat anything you put on a plate in front of them. That is most of my students in our student ministry. They, just, they fall into that category of either being extremely picky or eating everything in sight. And one of the things I've learned is that you have to help them eat what is good for them as a parent. If your child came up to you and said, Mommy, Daddy, I want to decide what I'm eating today, every day this week. And you said, all right, baby, that's fine. You get to pick breakfast, lunch, and dinner for the next three days. You get to choose. You know what they're going to choose? Ice cream for breakfast, snacks and candy for lunch, popcorn and desserts for dinner. They will do one of two things if you say you are in control of feeding yourself today. Your child will become either one, extremely malnourished because they don't know how to feed themselves, or they will become extremely unhealthy because they will stuff any and everything in their face. And, and that, in some ways, is how we've lived our faith this year for some of us. We have chosen to feed ourselves instead of allowing God to feed us what is good and healthy and right for our souls. We have taken that mantle and said, God, you want to feed me this, but ultimately, I'm really craving this right now. I'd rather eat this. I'd rather have this in my life. I'd rather pursue this. And, and then you wake up one day in your spiritual life, your faith is malnourished or it's extremely unhealthy. Because in 2023, you've allowed yourself to feed yourself instead of coming to God and saying, I am desperate for you to feed me today. Feed me what is good and right and nourishing for my body. I need you, God, to feed me today what is good for me. And, and when we look at scripture, we see time after time, character after character in both Old and New Testament who chose to give in to their own cravings. I'm not just talking about food cravings. I'm talking about desires more than actually allowing God to lead them in what is right. One example is a man named Esau in the book of Genesis. He had a brother named Jacob and Esau was given a birthright by God. He had a birthright. He had an inherited blessing designed specifically to be given to him by God. And Jacob wanted it. He wanted that blessing. He wanted that birthright. So he told his brother Esau, I will trade you a bowl of hot soup for your birthright. And Esau said, sounds good to me. Good bowl of hot soup over this little blessing God's gave me. That's cool. I'm hungry, bro. I need a bowl of hot soup. So he traded in the blessing of God for a simple temporal uh, finite thing like a bowl of hot soup just to get him through the next three to four hours. And we look at that and we say, Esau, you are completely missing the point. Why would you trade in an eternal blessing from God for something so finite and temporary and basic as a bowl of soup? How dumb. And, and we think that maybe we wouldn't do the same thing. I'm not saying you wouldn't trade for a bowl of hot soup, but how often do you trade in what God wants for you for what is right now, temporary, just for today? How many times have we traded in what is good for our soul, eternally blessing to us for something that can give us pleasure right now? And it only lasts a day. That was part of my testimony as a teenager. I never grew up in church, but part of my testimony was I was looking to drugs and alcohol to fill a void in my heart that would last about 12 hours until I woke up hungover the next morning. And it wasn't until I experienced the grace and mercy of God that I found something that lasted longer than just a night something that lasted and changed my soul for eternity. But how often have you traded in and you've said to God, I'll do what's best for my family instead of what God has already told you is best for your family? 
How often have you traded in and said, God, I'm going to do what is best with my money instead of what God has told you is best with your money? How, how much have we bought into the lie of the American dream that the goal of our life is to make our life as successful and comfortable as possible instead of believing the truth that God has actually called our lives to be sacrificial in service to others, not about building our lives to be comfortable. We constantly trade in what God has for us to feed ourselves with something that is temporal and not good for our souls. It's why maybe at the end of 2023, literally 12 hours before a new year, at this point you look back and say, my faith just feels dead. My faith feels lethargic. I feel like I come here and I can't seem to get anything out of anything. Whether it's worship, whether it's the message, whether it's anything, I can't seem to feel God. And maybe you right now, you're here today and you're saying, I just feel like my faith is dying. Maybe part of the reason is because your faith is malnourished because in 2023, you've tried to feed your own soul with what you thought was best instead of allowing your father to feed you with what is good for your soul. Maybe you're here today and you're not spiritually malnourished, but you're spiritually unhealthy. You've allowed yourself to feast on the benefits of your faith instead of actually seeing the beauty of your faith. What does that mean? And another way to put it is we have learned to celebrate and love the blessings of God instead of celebrating and loving the guy, God, who is giving us those blessings. You have learned to worship and serve what God has given you instead of actually worshiping and serving God. You have amened and worshiped the blessings God has given you in 2023, but you have not turned around and actually worshiped the God who gave you those blessings in 2023. And it has led to a place of spiritual decline. And we take that into church. We love to get the benefits and the blessing of the church, but we don't actually learn, learn to love the church. In 2023, most of you, if not all of you, have benefited from everything we've tried to do to help you grow in your faith in 2023. You've benefited from kid venture programs where volunteers watch your child for an hour so mommy and daddy can just close their eyes and have a, an hour to breathe. You've benefited from next student ministry that has helped your student try to get out of their shell, make friends and learn about Jesus as a teenager. You've benefited from a worship experience that tries to push you into authentic worship so you can feel and experience God in a real way. You have benefited from some good messages in 2023 that have tried to get you to think outside of how you've seen God to see who God really is and how wonderful he is. You've benefited from the coffee in the lobby that is completely free to you, even though it costs money and it comes out of our pocket. You've benefited from a VBS program, a vacation Bible school program for your kids to teach them about Jesus. You've benefited from summer camps I've taken our students to where they've given their life to Jesus for the first time. You've benefited from an amazing online presence that we have so you can watch this from your home or if you're out of town for the holidays. You've benefited from groups and classes and in all the we've done to give to you so that you can grow in your faith, you have turned around and become so spiritually fat because you have not put your faith into action. We have time after time as a staff done our absolute best with integrity to come to you every Sunday and say, please eat this. You're hungry. You need nourishment. You need the truth and the love and the beauty of God to enter into your life today. Go do this. Enter into a class. Take a small group. Join a ministry. Do all these things so that you can be fed. 
And what we've done is we've just fed ourselves so much that we've become so fat and we just sit at the table every Sunday and eat and consume and eat and consume what's put in front of us without actually getting up to take a plate and give it to those in need. We must learn to not only eat what God has given us, but to turn around and help other people eat what God wants for them. And before you think I'm just talking about the walls of the church, just, just think about this. Not just about stepping up to serve. We need people to step up and serve and volunteer. Not just about giving. We need people who aren't giving to step up and give in 2024. That's obvious. We talk about it all the time. But, but how often have you heard message or worship that has taught you what it means to love your family, lead your wife, lead your children, and yet in 2023 you lead the same way in your home? You don't pray with your kids. You don't teach them how to pray. You don't love your wife and forgive your wife or love and forgive your husband when they make a mistake. You're holding on to bitterness and resentment from years of buildup at your work. And time after time, we have tried to come to you and say, please eat this good food from God. It will bless you if you put it into action. And year after year, here you are still doing the same things you've been doing for years. And you wonder why your family's where it's at, where our church is where it's at, where our community's where it's at. Because you are feeding yourself so much that you refuse to put your faith into action. And God not only wants to feed you, he wants you to get up and start feeding others. And in 2024, if you want to see a desperation for change in your life and your faith, you have to put your faith in action. You cannot just come and consume every Sunday. You must begin to make some practical changes based on what you're learning and growing in here at this place. So just like a child needs someone to clean them, just like a child needs someone to feed them. Also, children need someone to discipline them and show them what is appropriate boundaries. This is similar to what I just talked about, so I won't spend so much time on it. But if you do not discipline your child or show them what boundaries are, what is good and what is wrong, what is good and what is wrong, they will grow up to bring destruction and damage to themselves and to everyone they run into contact with. We, I don't even need to go into the, the faith aspect of this. Science has proven that if you do not discipline and correct your child, you are shortening their brain development. You are slowing it down because in order for a child to grow at the rate that it needs to develop to become healthy, it needs consistent discipline and correction. It needs a parent to come in and say, this is not good for you. Baby, don't touch that. I told you a hundred times, don't run to the road, stay in the yard. In order for the physical scientific fact of children's brains to develop at the rate they're designed to, they need a parent, they need someone to come in and discipline them and correct them and show them what is right and what is wrong. That's why Alan Noble, who is someone I was reading this week, he says this about this idea that we buy into. He says, this is the fundamental lie of modernity, that we are our own. Until we see the lie for what it is, until we work to uproot it from our culture and replant a concept of human persons belonging to God and not ourselves, most of our efforts at improving the world will be nothing more than glorified band-aids. The truth of the gospel, the truth of God's love for you is that when you choose to follow God, you have to lay down a right to say that you run your life, that you are the captain of your own ship. God looks at his people and says, you don't belong to yourself. You belong to me. 
And because you belong to me, we need to understand what is good for you and what is not good for you. When you come, if you've given your life to God and you said the sinner's prayer, whatever the heck they did for you at VBS, whatever it meant for you, whenever that decision happened and you said, I want to follow God, and you gave your life to God, Jesus wasn't looking at you in that moment. And I'll just use my example to make it more clear. I gave my life at summer camp, went down, gave my life to Christ. And in that moment when I decided at 15 at a summer camp at Fort Caswell to give my life to Christ, Jesus didn't look at me in that moment and say, you know what, Preston? You say you want me to be Lord of your life, but I'm looking at your life, and honestly, man, you got it pretty down packed. Like, you're really doing good. Actually, you're doing way better than I thought you were. You've got this in line. You're actually way ahead of the curve on this at 15. You know what? You're doing a great job already. You want me to be Lord of your life, but you know what? You're doing such a good job. Why don't you just come to me if you need some extra advice from time to time? But you keep doing what you're doing. God doesn't say that. When we give our life to God and we make him the captain of our soul, he looks at us and says, okay, then this needs to go. Okay, then this needs to change. Okay, then you need to really work on staying away from that. Okay, you need to put more effort in developing this in your life. When we submit our life to God, we are submitting to the idea that God gets to tell us what is good and what is not. And his discipline and his correction is a means to help us become desperate to understand and know what is best for our lives. Tara Swart, who is a senior lecturer at MIT, in some sense that just means she's way smarter than anyone in the room. She says this, we, if you don't know, most people know that by 25, your brain has fully developed. For the 99% that your brain has developed by the time you're 25, after 25, almost nothing grows or develops after that. And she says this, by the time we get to age 25, we just have so many existing pathways that our brain relies on. It is hard to break free of them. One reason why is because our brain is inherently lazy and will always choose the most energy efficient path if we let it. What she's saying is by the time you're 25, you have already conditioned your brain to see the world the way you want to see it, think about situations the way you want to think about them, to look through the lens that is best for you. By the time you're 25, scientifically, your brain has been rooted and rutted in what you think is best for you. So when you become a Christian at 35, it's incredibly hard to change your way of thinking because scientifically speaking, your brain is lazy. It doesn't want to try something different. This works. We've done this for 35 years. Why now do we have to start thinking different? Why now do we have to prioritize different things? Your brain wants to take the path of least resistance and if you let it, you will never grow, you will never expand your mind and you will never allow God to change the way you see the world because your brain will by the age 25, say, we're good where we're at. No more changes. And that's why it takes an intentional discipline of coming to God and saying, help correct me, help discipline me. God, show me what I need to fix and change about my habits, my thinking, my attitude in the next year. That's why Romans 12, 2, when Paul says, don't copy the behavior of the world, but let God transform your mind so that you can figure out what the will of God is. We have to be desperate like children for discipline and correction from God to say, God, I don't have it all figured out. 
2023 has shown me that. But in 2024, I want you to help show me what I need to cut out, what I need to put in place of that. God, help show me where I'm wrong and help show me what I need to change. Because without your guidance, I can't do it myself. My brain is lazy. I'm stuck. And I hope, and my prayer for you is that at this point next year at 2024, when we're a day away from the clocks at midnight, that this point next year, you will look back over all that has happened in your life in 2023 and say this, God, it is only because of your discipline and correction that I was able to grow this much this year. That you will learn to rejoice in God coming into your life and ripping out of your soul what is wrong and deadly for you and replanting what is good and freeing to your soul that I hope by this time next year, you can rejoice in all that God corrected and disciplined you in in 2024. Enough about the challenging part. Let's get to some hope because I know that's why you're here. Children need someone to clean them. Children need someone to, free, to feed them and children need someone to discipline and correct them. But, but really one of the things I love about children the most is children need to use their imagination and play. Children have this craziness to them where there is no difference between playtime and work time. It's all the same to them. So when you try to get them to stop playing and work, it's so hard because to them, they have this idea that playtime is 100% of the time. And you parents know what I'm talking about. But in order for a child to grow and be healthy, they need, need to use their imagination and they need to find time to play. And they need to find time to dream. And maybe for some of us in 2023, it's been a year where we just stopped dreaming. We stopped playing. We stopped using our imagination. And maybe some of that stems from the way you were raised where you had a dream of what you wanted to do with your life and your mom and dad came in and said, hey, buddy, you probably need to think more realistically. Hey, you probably need to have a backup plan. You know, not everyone does that. And maybe from the time you were five, when your parents kind of came in and and, in your words, crushed your dreams as a five-year-old of being an astronaut or whatever it was for you, that you kind of learned this habit of never dreaming too big. You've kind of learned this habit of just becoming bitter and resentful to the point that you don't even bother to use your imagination and ask the question, what if in 2024 I saw God do this? and we become so bitter and pessimistic, we won't allow ourselves to use our imagination and dream of what God could do in our lives in the new year. And I know, I know the old saying, I'm not a pessimist, I'm a realist. Okay, Mr. Realist. The reality is what I know though, whether you call yourself a pessimist or realist is this, God wants to do something beyond your present reality in 2024. God wants to move in your life beyond what you can just see. God has the power to uproot and change lives in a miraculous fashion that goes beyond just reality that we see and experience on a day-to-day basis. And God wants to do something great in your life in 2024, but you have to become like a child and learn to dream and expect and become excited and use your imagination to say, what if in 2024 God did this? I don't see a way there right now, but I'm trusting and believing that he will do it, even when I can't see it. God wants to break you out of the mundane in 2024 and reinvigorate your soul to be excited and dream of what could be. This is my favorite quote from the whole day. So this to me is just so amazing because it points to the beauty and love of God. 
Jonathan Grant says this. So it, it's a lengthy quote. Just follow along, and, and I'll explain it at the end. It's just three slides. But Jonathan Grant says this. Neurobiologists have shown that while most brain development stops sometime in childhood, just like I said, most brain development stops around 25. However, the brain's joy center, which is located in wherever the heck that is in your brain, is the only part of the brain that never loses its capacity to grow. 99% of your brain stops growing at 25, but the one part of your brain that never stops growing, no matter how old you are, is your joy center, experiencing joy. He goes on to say, as James Pearson says and his colleagues explain, when the joy center has been sufficiently developed, it regulates emotion, pain, control, and immunity centers. It guides us to act like ourselves. The joy center in our brain, where we get joy from, when it grows, when it's developed, it will regulate your emotions, it will regulate your pain, it will regulate your immunity system, and it will allow you to become more and more like who God has designed you to be. He goes on to finish and says, it releases neurotransmitters like dopamine and serotonin, and it is the only part of the brain that overrides the main drive centers, which is food and sexual impulses, terror and rage. Without sufficient joy strength, we spend the rest of our lives trying to fill the deficit. If you don't know what he's saying, he's saying that the one part of your brain that never stops growing is the part of the brain that allows you to experience joy in your life. And when you allow joy to increase in your life, what happens is a lot of your life gets better and impulses like food and sexual impulses, terror and rage, they begin to subside and disappear from our lives when our joy increases. I love this, not because it's just interesting. I love it because it points to how intentionally loving God is. That God designed your brain and my brain so that 99% of our brain stops growing at 25, but the 1% that never stops growing is the ability to experience joy. That means that you will never reach the full capacity of joy in your life. There is always more joy to be had in your life, but you must become desperate like a child to see and dream and be use your imagination to play and believe in the power of God to move even when you can't see a path out. God has designed you to never be capped with joy, but to always experience more. And the more you lean into joy, the less you worry, the less terror and rage in your life, the less impulses you give into because joy has overridden all of those things. We need to become desperate like children to dream again in 2024 and be excited about what God will do. Not if, but what God will do and change in our lives and not limit our faith to only what we see and experience on a day in and day out basis. The last thing I wanna say is one, children need someone to clean them, children need someone to feed them, children need someone to discipline, correct them, and children need to use their imagination and play to become healthy. But last but not least, one of the things that's funny about children is children do not care what people think. They will cry out to get what they want. I, I could tell a funny story right now, but I won't because I don't want them to get mad for me calling out their child. But I've seen time to time throughout the holidays and throughout many times in, in grocery stores in Elizabeth City, children that I knew from the church that I was in a store one time at Aldi with my wife and we were shopping. And I started hearing this, this kid scream, like deathly screaming. I was like, oh my gosh, like someone's kid is like having a meltdown. And then I see one of our members and their child <laughs> come across the aisle and I was like, 
okay. But we all know, we've been to Walmart, we've been to Target, we've seen the holiday shopping when a child wants the newest toy and mommy and daddy says no and they throw themselves on the ground and they kick their feet and they scream and people walking by are like, oh my gosh, it's like, I'm glad it ain't my child. But the reality is children do not care how embarrassing it looks to them or their parent. They care about what they think is best for them so much so that they're willing to cry out in need. God wants us to become so desperate for him to move in our lives that we don't care what it looks like to other people, how embarrassing it may look, what it looks like to other people that we are willing to humble ourselves and become so desperate for God to do something amazing in our life that it, we cry out, we, we have tears running down our face and worship and the reality is that's not only what God wants for us, but that's what Jesus did in his life. In Hebrews 5, 7, it says, during the day, his days on earth, Jesus, he offered prayers and requests with a loud cry and tears as his sacrifices to the one who was able to save him from death. When Jesus prayed, when he was on this earth, he allowed himself to cry out as loud as he possibly could. He allowed tears to come down his face as he prayed with such desperation for God to move. It, the question is, when's the last time you were so desperate for God to move that your prayer life looked like this? That you were literally screaming. You were literally allowing tears to come down your face, not because it looked good, but because genuinely you were so moved and emotional. You wanted so desperately to see God do something that you didn't care how it looked. One of the things I know is that oftentimes, we will try everything first and come to Jesus as the last option. When our life is falling apart, we will sign up for therapy in a heartbeat. When we have financial troubles, we will read a Dave Ramsey book and create a budget within the week. And if those things don't work for some reason, then we'll come to God and say, can you help me? But in order to become desperate for God, you need to become desperate where you go to God first as your first line of help and not your last resort of defense. Am I saying therapy and Dave Ramsey are a bad thing? No, they're obviously great things, but we run to them first when God is looking at us to say, why are you waiting to come to me last? The night Jesus was arrested, he was spending his last hours before he was arrested praying to God. And he was praying that God would move and do incredible things. And God, if you can take this cup away from me, please take it away. If there's another way to give salvation to the earth, please help give salvation some other way other than making me die. And in his prayers, it was recorded that he was in such anguish when he prayed, his sweat became like blood falling to the ground. That Jesus prayed with such intensity and desperation for God to answer his prayers that his sweat turned into blood. That's not just some kind of, oh, that's a little hyperbolic. If you read certain scientific articles, there's science that proves your sweat can turn into blood through enough anguish. And so God's, his sweat was turning into blood because he wanted God to do something incredible. The question we need to become familiar with in 2024 is not, am I desperate? Desperation is the most shared common experience we have. All of us are desperate for something, whether you know it or not. The question is not, am I desperate? The question for us needs to become, what is my desperation driving me toward? Jesus let his desperation drive him 
to the foot of the Father in prayer. He was so desperate that that desperation pushed him into the Father's arms, asking and pleading for him to change his way of death. What is your desperation pushing you to? We are so desperate sometimes we become familiar with bars and drugs and relationships that are unhealthy for us because we allow our desperation to push us away from God and into the arms of things that harm us. But God is looking at us and saying, let your desperation for change, for something different in 2024, drive you closer to me. The last thing I want to mention today is I want us to begin to ask ourselves these two questions. What is God saying to me? And what do I need to do about it? What's God saying to you? And what does God want you to do about what he's saying to you? I know me and I know people. If we were honest, we don't really have an answer right now for these two questions. And that's no shame on you. I I struggle too to answer these at times in my life. What is God saying to me? And what do I need to do about it? The reality is we don't have the answers a lot of times. And sometimes we need to find the answers in an unconventional way. That's why every January for the past three years here at Forest Park, we have called our first 21 days of of January in the new year to our 21 days of prayer and fasting. If you're unfamiliar with this, basically what we do from January 8th this year to January 29th for the first 21 days of our new year, we as a body decide we're gonna fast from something and we're gonna seek God for 21 straight days. Let me say this, if you truly do this, for 21 straight days, I would put my life savings on the fact that by the end of the 21 days, you'll have the answers to these two questions in some form or fashion. Because when you choose to remove something from your life and replace it with the desperation to pray and seek God for guidance and deliverance, you will find God answer you and speak more loudly to you maybe than you ever have. We don't do this to go on a diet. We don't do this, even some of us don't fast from food. We fast from things like TV or social media. It doesn't have to be just food. What I wanna encourage you to do after I dismiss you in about two, three minutes, we have a prayer and fasting guide at the new here area on your way out. That guide that I've developed has all the answers to your questions. What is fasting? Why do I even need to do it? What does it look like? What are the different kinds of fast? How can I get the most out of this? And we have our readings. What'll happen is every day from January 8th to January 29th, every day Forest Park Church on our social media will have a video devotion to go along with the reading for that day from one of our people here at Forest Park. And our people are going to pray for you and that video devotion is gonna encourage you as you seek God in fasting. Here's what I wanna tell you as we end. Some of you have done the 21 days of prayer and fasting and you kinda, for the first seven days, were like, this is cool, but I'm kinda over it after seven days. Let me say this, this year you, you need to go all 21. I'm just gonna put it before you, no, no smoke or mirrors. You need to push yourself to go all 21 days. Some of you have always chosen the path of least resistance. Find what the fast is that's really gonna to push you and do it. Here's what I know too. Some of us, instead of actually reading scripture and praying during the 21 days of fasting, we just watch the video and say, that was my prayer for the day. Don't allow the video devotion to take place of your time with God. Watch the devotion and then read the scripture and then pray. I wanna challenge you. You wanna become desperate. You wanna see your life change in 2024. You wanna see something different with your faith. You wanna feel God again. Stop settling for what is easy and what is comfortable. 
We have designed 21 days of fasting and prayer to push us outside of our comfort zone because you cannot become desperate if you are comfortable. And what this is designed to do is remove some part of your life that's allowed you to become comfortable and push you to run to God in desperation in place of those things. And so I pray that you would take it seriously. I pray that not only you will actually join us for this, but that at the end of it, we have a sanctuary worship gathering on Tuesday, January 30th. That's kind of our celebration. We're gonna end our time of fasting and celebrate all that God has done worshiping together on a Tuesday night. That's from seven to eight on January 30th. All these details are on the packet at the New Here area. I wanna encourage you, join us. Maybe some of you have never joined us in the last three years. This is the year to actually step up and join us in our 21 days of fasting and prayer. God wants you to be desperate in 2024. And in order to be desperate, we need to become like little children, relying on God to do what only he can do in our lives as we submit all of our life to him in desperation. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the grace you've given us. God, 2023 has been a hard year. It's been a year that has had many ups and downs, but God, we know in all of it, you've been with us. God, I pray for everyone in here, everyone watching online, that as we close out the year, we reflect on what it is you want us to do differently in 2024. God, that we would submit ourselves to not what we think is best, but to what you think is best for us this year. That we become men and women who are passionate about following you and growing in our faith. I pray that whatever hurts, whatever uh, scars we're bringing into this room today, that you would provide healing for those things, that you would encourage us with the hope that our story isn't over, that there's still great things to be done. God, if we just trust and believe even beyond what we can see to a God who can work the miraculous out for our lives in 2024. I pray as we get ready in the next weeks to enter into this time of prayer and fasting that you would push us, challenge us, and allow us to do all that we can to become desperate people after you. God, you've given us so much in 2023, but most of all, you gave us Christ, and we are so grateful for that and the many blessings you've given us. God, help us turn around and become people who not only eat and eat, but that we give and give to those who are needing and hurting in our lives. Pray this in your name. Amen. I want to give you two quick announcements before we let you go. Number one is if you're new here, and I know many of you are, or maybe you haven't been here uh, for a while, we want to connect with you. We want to answer your questions. We want to get to know you a little bit better. So if you want to go to fplive.org connect, fill out our connect card. Or if you want to do a, a physical copy, you can grab a physical copy of the card and seat back in front of you, whether it's physical or online. If you stop by our new here area after service, we have a gift for you. And again, that is a place if you have questions to get them answered. So we encourage you to stop by that. Last but not least is next Sunday, we begin our new series. I don't want to set the world on fire. We hope that this isn't uh, just a good start to year, but that you'll continue next year and joining us as we kick off this series. And Pastor Scott's gonna come and bring part one of that. So I'm excited to dive into what the series is gonna challenge us with in 2024. And I hope that you'll join us next week. Again, guys, hope you stop by the New Here area to get our prayer and fasting guide and join us for 21 days of prayer in January. Love you guys. Happy New Year's.